You're listening to the news and why it matters on demand. Hey, I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Welcome. Hi, Hi. Hi Sarah. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hey, nice. Stu. How are you? Really good. Thanks for asking. And uh, um, this guy, who is him? Uh, Abraham Lincoln. Andrew, yeah. I'm good. Andrew, how Great. are you? I oh. forgot you were still here. I've, I've, I've actually been back there the whole time. I don't know why you guys <laughs> wouldn't let me the, talk. You're I just doing your own. Hey, Sarah, I think you're okay. It's you're doing your own little podcast I've been now doing here. My little podcast. How's it going? Yeah, it's yeah. going well. It's, yeah. it's uh, funny and insightful. I'm getting good feedback. Really uh, good yeah. people, people that so watch it. The, the sponsors are fantastic. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Snuffies, <laughs> uh, which yeah. is a diner where all the horses or all the waiters are on horses. Oh, and, uh, nice. yeah. and, uh, and then and also Nick's. Yeah, there's. Uh, it's kind of weird. The, the that was our first sponsor. Our second sponsor was Nick's Horseless Diner. So there's a there's a competing diner, yeah. and their their thing is that they don't allow horses, and that's their marketing campaign. Uh, Which is and weird for a diner, but yeah, I agree because uh-huh. I don't. Uh-huh. You don't. So anyway, it's good to have you. Thank you. Good to be back. <laughs> Glenn, what's the top story? Uh, top story is immigration, but a different spin on it. Okay, Stu. Uh, let's go with principles. No. Okay. What? What are those? They're still, they still exist, apparently. Mm. I'll believe it when I see it, Andrew. Uh, the Middle East. Okay. All right. Before we get into all of that, I want to thank our sponsor, My Patriot Supply. What is this talk about bunkers? Oh, can I? Well, so I uh, before I came in, before Glenn came in, I was I was very publicly and loudly asserting my theory that Glenn has a bunker, and it's probably beautiful because Glenn <laughs> is really into set design. So I have this theory that he's got a bunker that has like window boxes, like we've got back there, where that's not actually. Let's. It looks like a cloudscape. <laughs> but it's actually a very uh, a good painting, and I think he's got this wonderful bunker that he could like hang out in and feel aesthetically charged during the apocalypse. <laughs> Is that true? Uh, well, it wouldn't be a painting. Uh, well, I won't Probably, say I, I, but I think Maybe he's got LCD screens <laughs> or something. He's like, I don't have one. I'm like, of course you tell me you don't have one. There's that Twilight Zone episode where I come to break your door down. So Here's what I do have. I have uh, food from my Patriot Supply. I have your e- bunker. Uh, I'm not saying where it is, uh, but I have uh, I have enough for the f- for the whole family for a year, uh, and then I have enough for a few other stragglers because I know they will come. Uh, but you better be the first one at the door because the second one doesn't eat. Probably will eat lead. Oh wow! <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, great food from my Patriot Supply. Everybody should have it, and we are. Entering tough times right now. I yeah. think. It's easy too because they give it to you in a nice. You can just store it. It's not like a pain. Doesn't How, take a, yeah, you've got, got the totes. No, it's like a tote. You put it right under your, okay. your bed. You can put yeah. it on your bed. Yeah. And it's so two weeks. Everyone needs at least two weeks of emergency food supply. You can go to preparewithnews.com. Get two weeks of food for seventy-five bucks. There's no reason not to do that. That's cheaper than taking your family out for dinner on Friday night. Yep. All right, it's really judgmental way you said that. I it really is. It really felt Cheaper judged. than we had. Hey, well, yeah. not if I would go into Whataburger, Miss <laughs> Highfalutin Snotty Snot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We're starting out so uh, well yeah, today. <laughs> all right. So let me let me uh, let me take you to the border, San Ysidro. We all know what happened Sunday, right? Okay. Let me take you to the local San Diego station that covered the incident at the border at San Ysidro. Watch. More than 100 Mexican citizens stormed the border trying to cross into the United States. It happened on Sunday near the San Ysidro port of entry and it was caught on video. You can see Border Patrol agents being pelted with rocks as they tried to turn back the crowd. CBS News 8's Phil Blauer is live in San Ysidro with what's being called a border rush. Phil? Border rush. Barbara and Carla, we want to thank the Border Patrol tonight for giving us exclusive access to this point, just feet away from where this incident took place, as you mentioned, on Sunday afternoon. Now, we're also getting our first look at video that was shot by somebody who was in the crowd. Fortunately, cool heads by agents prevails, and there was no lethal force used. Stop for a second. Now, 
what is, what's up with that? What do, what, what do you notice that's different? You know, it's different. They're uh, commending Border Patrol. Right. Yeah, and saying, hey, critical. thanks to the Border Patrol for letting us out. You know, and they were very the restrained, yeah. you know, yes. and the video came from somebody in the crowd. Okay. All right. This, by the way, uh, is a video from uh, 2013. 2013. Okay. Under the Obama administration. There were 1,600 incidences with border agents firing tear gas into crowds like that. Okay. Under just two-year period of Barack Obama. So what's everybody upset about? And what's this really about? Well, you'd have to go back and listen to more of this. I want you to listen to a reporter talk to the main border guy back in 2013 and what he had to say about this little hundred person incident. Watch. Gabe Pacheco says he has no doubt the event was staged to put the agency in a bad light. He says if the organizers try to create a similar scenario in the future, the outcome may be much different. Well, to put someone into that situation, it's you're playing a risky game. And so at the end of the day, our agents will do what it takes to go home. And they need to go home to their families. Now, we're also told that the group tried to get others to rush the border in the Otay Mesa area, but that never happened. Stop. So now this is a group that has been practicing and trying these things out, bringing their own video cameras since 2013, and have tried it at several points on our border. Now, isn't that interesting? And isn't that interesting that we never heard about the 1,600 uh, incidents like this until it's a Republican that's in? Well, and, you know, you didn't, the Border Patrol agent uh, didn't get any flack for saying our agents are going to do whatever they need to do to go home. Correct. I mean, Correct. they're getting they're getting slammed right now just for using tear gas. These this incident in 2013, they used tear gas, pepper balls and tasers. Wow. And tasers. Oh, can you imagine? And they were talking about the restraint. Wow. I'm, I'm going to be irritating here. Did any right. children get tear gassed uh, in those instances? Well, I don't know. Were any bad parents putting them on the front lines? <laughs> that would be a question it's, it's for still, the parents. It's still kind of collateral damage that's worth talking about. Okay, so okay, can we talk about that? Because yeah. uh, I would like to hear a reasonable, I'd like to hear a reasonable argument. <laughs> I, From him? Yeah. Uh, well, so here, here are my thoughts on that. I mean, one, like getting children tear gassed bad, right? Like, like it's, it's something we want to avoid. Yes. Um, one of the things that I'm curious about that I don't know the answer to on this is if you're firing tear gas into another country, if you're violating any type of international law, I don't know. I suspect that if we were charging the Mexican border where somebody else was and they shot into American territory that we would view that as an, a, a violation or some sort of aggressive act. So that concerns me. Um, and yeah. I, I wonder if there wasn't a way to do it where there wouldn't be tear gas coming down. Because it was about, it was 500 people who are bad. They were attacking Thousand. the border. Huh? Thousand. Well, the people that were rushing the border was about 500, right? Like, the, there's, there's. I thought it was a thousand. It was a thousand. Was it that? Okay. Yeah. My point is, there's a lot of people that are in the background as well that weren't doing that, and mm. so they're they're caught in this where they're out to protest, which is fine, uh, and they get caught in that waff of tear gas. So those are the folks that I'm primarily concerned. Okay. With. So um, the person, the only one with a child with strangely five-year-olds in diapers, which was weird, um, but the only ones with the the child that we know was in that trough. That trough is a no-go zone, okay? That, that's in between our borders. It's actually a sewage 
uh, trough. I mean, you go really go into that, and it's nasty. So it's a no-go zone. They had already crossed over the fencing and all of the stuff on the Mexican side. They go down into the no-go zone. Well, now that's not an innocent bystander. That woman with the children, that's not innocent. You're not just standing around waiting. You've actually climbed the fence, gone down into the no-go zone, and you are now trying to rush uh, our border. Our border patrol also told everyone, Mexicans, the Mexican police also said, the U.S. will use tear gas. They will use tear gas. Do not rush the border. How, how is it? How is it unreasonable? I mean, if we just saw them all standing there and, and we were shooting tear gas into them, or if, if they were all together, all 5,000 of them, you know, in the camp, and we just started launching tear gas, that's another thing. But when you're going into the no-go zone, you're having to violate the law to get to the no-go zone. They're telling you, do not do this. I don't think you can separate the innocent bystanders because there isn't... That woman and the, the children were, but that was a bad mother on top of it. The people that apparently did have children, uh, the earlier rush, the men were taking the women and children and pushing them up front as shields. So now what do you do? It's tough. I mean, you don't want kids to be hit with uh, tear gas. No one wants Nobody that. Nobody wants um, that. You know, I, I think if you look at that picture, you do see in the background almost, I don't know if you see one other a, a, one other person other than a, an adult male. I mean, it doesn't seem like they were firing into a crowd of children. It's possible that one of them, I mean, there's that one picture where they're running. They don't necessarily seem to be in the middle of the tear gas, but they're certainly close to it. Um, you know, you don't want that to happen. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult thing, though, when a thousand people are coming. Yeah. No. What do you, how do you? Force should be applied. I'm not saying yeah, that. Like, I'm, I'm not yeah. justifying the people attacking the wall. Uh, and I, and I'm not a, a, a strategist in this. I like. And you said collateral damage. I mean, you know, you, yeah, you, that, you pointed that out. See, this is the problem, and this is this is where I think decent people can come down. Look, I want if somebody is truly in danger in another country, I want to help them. That's why we're helping the people in Haiti. That's why we're. That's why one of our operatives is on the on the stand today in one of the Central American countries, wearing a bulletproof vest in court, because he. Our organization stopped and broke a giant slave trade business, and so he's testifying against gangsters. He is risking his life to keep this guy who was kidnapping children and selling them for rape several times a day. He's, he's in actual danger today. He's from America. If you, I want people to be safe. We're trying to help people all around the world be safe. But I can't. I don't know who the good guys and bad guys are here because you're storming the border. If you want help, all you literally have to do, literally, you walk up with your hands up uh, across the bridge. I know this because I was there. You walk with your hands up across the bridge and you say, I need, I'm a refugee, I need asylum. You're immediately taken in, you're questioned. Then you're questioned by another guy. They take your information, then it goes to court. The people, when I asked when I was down at the border, why aren't more people doing that? Because it's a guarantee. Guarantee. Why aren't more people doing that? The Border Patrol told me because the Mexican drug lords make so much money smuggling people in, they tell them that's a lie. You can't do that. 
So anybody who is, anyone who is telling you, just walk up to the border with your hands up and say, I need asylum, you're processed. I, has, has, has not the Trump administration put a restriction on the amount of, of, of actual applications for asylum seekers that they're doing? I think they it's limited to 100 a day. It's whining so, through yeah. courts, yeah. Um, well, it, it, okay. How many, how many did we do? How many asylum seekers were there yeah, five years this ago? Is, yeah, this is, a, and there's been a big increase from 2008 yeah, to today. Really it's from five to 80,000, 5,000 well, to 80,000. And, and also... Um, and that's because of the Obama administration. And we talked about this yesterday, but um, you were not here, but I'd like to get your take on the fact that, you know, Mexico has already offered these mm -hmm. people asylum. So what do you make of the fact that they, they don't want to take advantage of that if they're truly in need of help, but they want to say, no, I'm not going to take that help. I demand to be allowed into the United States instead. Sure. Well, I think, um, you know, when we're talking about asylum, my understanding is legally they're probably not um, able to get asylum here because you have to have a specific thing like race, religion, political views, mm -hmm. or whatever. And they're we've added, well, Obama added, and I don't have a problem with this. I have a boyfriend or a husband who's threatening to kill us. Here's the proof. Uh, you know, I, I have to get out. I have no problem with that, that's also been added by the Obama administration. And I'd add, and this is not law, but were I in charge of the law, if someone says, like, you know, there are gangsters that'll kill me just in general, or I just, I'm worried about the, the welfare of my family from an economic standpoint, I'm happy for them to come in too. So, like, you know, if, if the law is being upheld, if they want to come into America, I get why they want to come to America, and I'm happy for them to come pick fruit and wash dishes and, and deliver pizza and everything else. And like, wait, wow, wait, wait, racist. wait. <laughs> and work their way up the yeah, ladder. Yeah. To, to, uh, to become things that they never thought possible in their old home country. Yeah. But you have to do it the right way. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get to the other topics when we come back. How dare you? I want to talk about it right now. And you put we can talk about it during the break. Okay. So, so are you an open border guy? <laughs> no, I'm not. Still, yes. You said principles. Principles, yes. So, so I think I mean, we, I've been whining about this a lot. How, like, the media, for example, will um, will basically let their coverage be dictated by the fact that they don't like Donald Trump. And I think a lot of people. He is, he is the assignment editor for most he, of the really journalists is. in America. And I've come to this point where I think the uh, issue is not bias, um, which I think is how we typically would talk about it. It's it's obsession. It's, it's not about them being against Donald Trump. I mean, of course they're against Donald Trump, but they've been against every Republican president I've ever seen. They're, they're, you know, they're not going to treat them as well as they treat Democrats. We know that. But this is like a, a, an obsession. Quick example of this climate change report in which, you know, they keep telling us, like, you know, the world's going to end. Like, everyone's going to die. Like, you know, we're going to have massive repercussions for this. The entire report has been vi viewed almost entirely through the lens of Donald Trump released it on Black Friday. Like that, wait a minute, you're telling me the world's going to end, but the important part of the story is that he buried it on Black Friday? First of all, you're hosting a news program. Talk about it. You, what do you mean it's buried? You could talk about it right now. It's your news channel. You have to go through his tweets right. first. <laughs> yeah. can't, by law, you can't talk about anything until you go through yeah. Trump tweets. Exactly. <laughs> and I think, uh, and, and I've been hitting that a lot lately, but so I wanted to point out that it, it's, it's not just the media. It's not just the left. We tend to do this sometimes, too, and we're doing it a lot with Donald Trump. And 
My, you know, one of my biggest examples of this is the tariff issue, and which was a really, I mean, I hate to say it after talking about global warming, but essentially settled science, right? Free trade is good. People like it. You know, this goes back, you know, Reagan, Goldwater. We're going back a long time in the conservative movement. And we've gone back so far that really there was almost no opposition from the Democrats yeah. anymore. I mean, it was, you know, there were degrees. The, 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 the technocrat side of the Democratic Party had conceded it. Had yeah. really conceded it. It was, you know, there were still the unions and Bernie yeah. Sanders and people like that. Um, but now, because Trump is so in favor of tariffs, um, you know, we've seen a lot of people on the right sort of re-embrace them oddly. And I had a real, one of our really smart listeners uh, sent me an email. And he said, you know, I keep hearing you guys talk about tariffs. And can you put it in perspective at all? Like what, I, you know, we keep hearing they go, they're going up. Well, what does that mean? You know, like they go up in relation to what? And so we went back and like did some kind of a deep dive on the actual tariff rates. And this is what we're looking at overall globally. Uh, Australia is at 1.18%. I just picked some select countries here. Canada, 1.56%. We've so, and, heard a and lot. Just, just really quick, that's that's the, the, the tariffs, average of the tariffs, tariffs, tariffs on all of yeah, their, their, their all imported the goods. goods. Yes. Okay. Um, so, and there's the U.S. in 2016 at 1.67%. You'll notice right away that Canada, one of these countries we've been fighting for with, with the last couple of years, is already lower than us. The EU is another big trading partner. It was just slightly higher than us in, two, in 2016 at 1.96%. Japan, 2.55%. Uh, and the U.S. right now at 3.20%. Stop there for a second because you can see yeah. since Donald Trump took office, we have doubled the tariffs. Uh, that is a, a, a big jump. But not a, an economic destruction sort of. Hang on just here. a second. But also look at that list. Who is the highest? It's Japan. And why would Japan have the highest? Because like the Bahamas or Bermuda yeah. or places that are very isolated and very small, they have to make their revenue this way because almost everything is coming off from offshore. Mm -hmm. So they have to um, have have that extra tax. I mean, they don't, I don't think they have to, but you know, they it's, believe it's, they. It's, yeah, they, they, they believe, believe they're they in they unique do. circumstances, and that, and certainly in the past, it was I think even more justifiable. Small island nations yeah. do. Well, I'll say two point five five percent is still not a, a super high no. tariff. Certainly not historically. Um, U.S. at three point two zero, China at three point five four. So we've raised it to about what China has. And again, this is a communist regime we're talking about. We can say that oh well, theirs are higher than ours. But like, do we want to chase policies of a communist? regime. I don't want to chase... I'd rather be chasing Australia. Exactly. I want to keep going lower. Uh, Russia, again. I mean, this is this is freaking Russia, 3.62%. Uh, Yemen at 435 uh, bastion of freedom, Yemen. Yes, Yemen. Bastion oh. of economic opportunity and freedom. <laughs> Mexico at 4.35. And, and you see the look sort how, of countries... Look how well it's working. Right. Yeah. You see the countries that we're surrounding here now. Now, this is the first increase that... that this has been the debate this week. If, if the U.S. implements the predicted uh, and, and promoted um, by Trump uh, tax increase, it would go to 4.50, which would put us above Mexico, above Yemen, above Russia, above China. Now we're in the area of Zimbabwe. Which uh, is, rock solid Zimbabwe. Yes, uh, you got to love the Zimbabwe. You get, it, so you get gold bonds and Zimbabwe dollars. <laughs> that's where you go. Now, you, now we have another China increase that's on the board for even more of their products. If we do that, we're up to 7.20%. Oh, my God. Now, both of these have already been... Um, uh, you know, uh, talked about and uh, proposed by the Trump administration that he says he wants to do that. That puts us in the area of Rwanda at 7.33%, but does not include the auto tariffs, which if those are applied, you are up now north of 10%. 
Again, as you mentioned, Glenn, only small isolated island countries like Bermuda and the Bahamas are higher than this. Um, And the only country that you would say has somewhat of a a large economy that's anywhere close to 10 percent is Pakistan. Um, These are not countries we want to we want to replicate. This is not the direction we want to go in. We know these other countries have these issues. Now, these are not as high as like Smoot-Hawley level, you know, 20 and 30 percent tariffs that just completely destroyed the economy. That's what yeah, the Great Depression. That is the Great Depression. We had the crash, but then we had Smoot Holly. And when Smoot Holly hit, that's when it never came back. It just never came back. And it's okay to be critical of a bad policy, even if it's from a person that you like. I mean, yeah. we were critical of things that we really George Bush, George Bush Ted Cruz, Ronald Reagan on the border. We were never we, we didn't like the way he handled that. Um, let me give you one more. Do I have time for one more sure. quick thing? This is something that Trump said while um, while uh, campaigning in Mississippi for the Senate election, which is happening tonight. It will be the 53rd seat if, uh, as expected, the Republican wins. But listen to this statement. This is not something we should be able to accept. Also at stake in tomorrow's election is your Medicare benefits. Democrats want to raid the Medicare to fund socialism. What? It's very simple. What's going on? I mean, that is very simple. I, I mean, I, but I mean. Heaven forbid that Medicare would become a government program. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if they were to nationalize uh, Medicare? The Medicare is a socialist program. I mean, and and, and it's something that we all realized here as of very recently. Now, you might like it. You might say, I paid into it, so I deserve it. Those are all defensible positions. Um, But you have to realize that this is government health care. It's the thing we fought against for a long time. So it's okay to say that Donald Trump was really good on Jerusalem. And we like the tax decrease. And we like what he did with ISIS. And there's a million things you can point that you might like Supreme Court justices, but it's okay to be able to say, look, this isn't right. We should push back. And you know who the only person who's going to have any sway with Donald Trump are his supporters. Yes. And his supporters yeah. need to be, you know, it's not, not going to care what Bill Crystal says or, or you know, David Frum or yeah, some or liberal. Glenn Becker. Or Glenn Becker. So, you, it's so, the people who believed this stuff before that voted for him and have supported him all the way through to say, look, you're right on a million other things, but this thing you're wrong on. So here's what, here's what supporters of Donald Trump should be doing right now. They should go to him and say, please, Mr. President, please, please, please don't do the tariffs. Please don't do the tariffs. But I think people think it's a lot more complex than it is. It's not. It's very simple. Um, because the ones who are speaking out against the tariffs, if we get into the 10 range, you are in a full-fledged trade war. Then what happens with China? China is going to respond. Those numbers won't stay where they were because they'll all respond. Correct. And Everyone will respond if we're up at 10. Um, so these kinds of things happen. You're going to lose jobs in America. People will struggle in America and you will not be reelected in America. And we will instead have a socialist who will say, you know what? This capitalist thing just isn't working. I'll take care of you. And people will run to it. <laughs> uh, so make sure to tweet at real Donald Trump, because I think that's the only thing he checks. Um, before we uh, go to break, want to thank our sponsor, Ridgezone. Did you guys gain a bunch of weight over the break? I did. Did you? I did. A little bit. Just a, a, a little, little bit? A little of a lot for me. Yeah. A lot okay. of a little. I can so, feel my thighs that's what happens. <laughs> they rub yeah. when you walk. I don't like it. Uh, so that's what happens uh, when you're not taking Ridgezone. You may overindulge. Uh, because Ridiazone helps uh, boost your metabolism and help you feel full longer. 
So I use it. I swear by it. I lost a bunch of weight a long time ago. I know you guys who watch the show, show every day are so sick of seeing my fat picture. But uh, I lost a lot of weight, and so I know the struggle of keeping the weight off because that's the hardest thing once you do it. Uh, you want to go back to your old eating habits. This can help you if you're looking to lose weight or if you just want to maintain. You can go to ridyazone.com. Get 30% off of a three-month supply by using promo code THEBLAZE. And um, I was told that my math was wrong. It's not $1.79 a day. It's $1.39 a day. Nice. Which is even better. Mm -hmm. So you can invest that much in your health. Go to ridyazone.com, and we'll be back in a minute. You didn't act like that was a discount. Yeah. It was $1.79. Now it's $1.39. Now it's $1.39. Order now. What is the promo code again? Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze Premium subscribers. Become a premium subscriber at theblaze.com slash subscribe. Uh, we were just discussing your, Andrew, your Faraday cage and uh, quirkiness. Yeah. And Glenn, you said you have some questions. No, I just have some questions on... Um, so you, you, you have a hard time finding people to date? <laughs> you know, it's weird, because you would think a guy that could provide for you for a week or two in the event of the apocalypse right. would be very appealing. That's, That's a great point. Uh, you know? That's a great point. But uh, you know what? That, maybe Seriously, that, what is it? Maybe that, this is I'm, determined. Not, I'm not leading in on dates for this. Maybe that's the problem. Right. I need to, I need to right. just like lean into this and be like, look, you're probably wondering if I own a Faraday cage. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> if the grid goes down, we've got tunes that we can listen to. <laughs> right. And i got a Kindle with a bunch of books on it. So... <laughs> so so, uh, uh, what is it that you look for in a, a woman? Why? I mean, when's the last serious relationship you've had? I, I, I dated a girl for five months recently. Does that count? Is that serious? Five months? Is she no. still alive? Yes, she's <laughs> okay. I, last I checked. I Did don't know. she know you were dating for five months? <laughs> yes, yes, I'd say for for three of the three five of the months. Five, she, she, was, she was aware that we were <laughs> right. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking for. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to how to vocalize that. Can I'm I tell you something? You're determined you know, to set him up. I am. So here's the thing. My father told me, the best advice ever, best advice ever. He said, you're never going to find her. You're never going to find her if you don't know what she looks like. He said, seriously, make a list. Put down everything you're looking in somebody, looking in for somebody, and, and just internalize it. And it'll happen. A year later, I was dating Tanya. And I remembered that list, and I went, I wonder how many she has on that list. Everything on that list, mm. Tanya was. Wow. Yeah. That's the story. Make a list Tanya. of what you're looking for. Right. Okay. Put it out in the universe. All right. Okay. Done. I'm going to, okay. Yeah. This is my weekend project. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, by, you. you know, uh, uh, as a fortnight, I'll be married. <laughs> uh, Stu, really quickly, let's talk wages. Yes, I thought this was really interesting. We were going, I was going through some economic numbers uh, for whatever boring life that I have. I'm a real catch. Your, your, your hobby. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, He got married before he started. Yeah. Doing that. Oh, yeah. That's she okay. did not know about the yeah. Excel sheets. Um, but uh, going through, um, I'm fascinated by, the, the, by something. There's, there's a lot of this in Addicted to Outrage, which I really like. Um, and we know Steven Pinker's book mm -hmm. is like this. We talked about Matt Ridley as well. Like, there's a bunch of people who have gone down this road of, how much we just don't notice how good we have it. I mean, how, thi how things have improved. Um, you know, and one of the big complaints here is, is talking about inequality and how people can't you know, make a living and you know, capitalism isn't working and all of this. And I, I found this stat to be just overwhelmingly uh, impressive when it comes to where we are as a country. Um, and the stat basically is if an American high school student um, who works 15 hours a week and earns minimum wage 
is among the top 20% of wage earners in the world. It's amazing. I mean, you think of how amazing that is. And that's capitalism, right? That's the free market. Um, and, uh, you know, something we, we're not thankful for it enough. Uh, you know, you could be, you know, people are doctors in other countries and they're making what our high school students make at, you know, movie theaters. We were talking about this last week when we uh, left off set, uh, Matt Ridley's book that we're both fans of, mm -hmm. that um, if you were living in like 250 years ago, to, get, to buy a candle, that was like a day's wage. Your whole day, if, if not more, to buy a candle, mm -hmm. just to read at night. Uh, and you think about now, like I don't like I, when I was growing up, Dad would flip the switches if we left them on. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't like I do that out of habit. I don't think I have to economically anymore. Yeah, yeah. Everything's so cheap now. Yeah, I mean that's and that's the best way to measure it. Um, you know, a lot of really smart economists do it that way, which is instead of saying, okay, well, you used to make this amount of money, now you make this amount of money. Well, look at the let's set up the basics. Uh, you know, home, shelter, um, transportation, food, clothing, those staples, and you take those and how many hours did it take? to make 100 years ago, 50 years ago. And that has gone down dramatically. It's, it went from you know, it's something like 65% to like 28% of our time is now spent. We're now at a point now where we spend half of our life in leisure. We, we spend $5 billion a year on Halloween candy. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think, and I don't, I don't, and we should look this up, because I don't remember what the, what the cutoff was, but it was not even the average. It was below average, I think. Um, uh, American... Uh, now has far more, far more than the Vanderbilts had. Mm -hmm. If you've ever gone to the Breakers in Newport, that is a fabulous life that they were living. You have, the average person has more access to more food, more entertainment, uh, more travel, ice, than the Vanderbilts had. Air That's conditioning. remarkable. Big one, air, air conditioning. Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to live without air conditioning, no. particularly in Texas. I, I, I think that there's this um, terrible conflation in America and elsewhere, and I, I think it might be instinctive, but either way, it, it conflates poverty with inequality. Poverty's bad. Mm -hmm. Poverty's yes. bad. Mm -hmm. I want to get rid of poverty. Yes. I want everybody to be as wealthy as I am right now, and I want to have my own beautiful bunker. I want that level of wealth. <laughs> um, but we tend to think that if you're poor, it's because someone else has taken your stuff. Yes. And, and in reality, um, if that were the case, we'd all be swapping rocks right now. I mean, like, we, we all, you know, you go back 8,000 years, we're all living in caves, right? Well, so. yeah, and our idea of poverty is so... Yeah. out of whack and, when you look at the rest of the world and you look at third world countries. It's like people living in poverty here have Xboxes and yeah. flat screen TVs. And, 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 and yeah. there are things that like, you know, if, if you can't afford health care, that's very psychologically arduous. But at the same time, sure. though, yeah, um, the, the, a, a lot of that is we're not gauging it based off of the suffering of the person. We're gauging it based off of the wealth of their neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Compare, yeah. comparing your, yeah, you know, again, it used to be called keeping up with the Joneses. That was, mm -hmm. It used to be called a negative thing, right? Yeah. Um, and I think one of the hardest things to talk about when you talk about capitalism is that. It's like people will say, they, these comparisons get made all the time. I was just reading one, and I think it was in Reason just the other day, where they're talking about how a TV, you know, made in, you know, 2000 is now, you know, was for $1,500, and now it's $196, and it's a drop of 90%, and all, it's all this. But, like, that doesn't encapsulate what happened. What happened was also it got about 100 times better. Oh, yeah. You know, it's 100 times better. It's more energy efficient than the one was. It's the, the picture had a technology that didn't exist. I bought a 70-inch, what is it, 2K screen, the first one that came out. It was high definition, then 2K, right? Mm -hmm. They're now up to 8K. Wow, really? I bought the first 2K, 70-inch. It was $10,000, okay? That's crazy. I, this, that was the last TV. In the, it's in the bunker now. 
Yeah, <laughs> last TV I'm ever going to buy like that. That that television now is. I saw it on sale for eight hundred and ninety nine dollars. Wow, it's the same damn TV. We, we, and it's. I think it's four K. We, we we had spoken. I think last week or the week before about uh, Andrew Carnegie going through and building all these libraries. Yeah. You think about now, you can buy a, a Kindle Paperwhite, I think for $100. Mm. And you can, do- there's, there's the Gutenberg Project, you can download thousands of books for $100, and, you can do and, that. And Andrew mm. Carnegie said that those libraries, and I was in those, I, I, that library that I was in, the Carnegie built, the original library, I have more books than that. And he said, that was the Library of Kings Think of what you have in your pocket right yeah, now. That, that Kindle you can get for $100, that wasn't socialism. It was Jeff Bezos trying to make a buck, and I'm glad he did. Yeah. I'm really glad he made a buck off that. I'm happy for him to become a billionaire if I get all those books. It's yeah. like, it's, it's Bill Gates. Bill Gates didn't just, he changed our life. There, there, it changed our life. There's an, there's an algorithm, though, I've noticed, though. It's you're, you're evil if you're super rich unless you're very charismatic. So, like, remember, like, Steve, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Steve yeah. Jobs was cool. Everybody loves yeah. Steve yeah. Jobs. Then he dies, and now Bill Gates is cool, right? But Bill Gates was the villain in the 90s, as I recall. And then mm. and, and, like, and, and Richard Steve Branson, Jobs. super cool. Richard right. Branson's fine. Yeah. Right. And Warren Buffett, cute, because he was an up. So he's fine. <laughs> and Steve, Steve Jobs was a jerk oh, as yeah. a human being, a horrible human being. And yet... He he gets a pass. This you company, look at the Gates Foundation, everything they're doing, yeah. right? But but Steve Jobs in particular, Apple has this whole oh we're one with the planet, we're one with no they're not. They uh, my my iPad, it won't hold a charge. My wife said, oh what a surprise, the new one's out, and we laughed about it. But that's not unreasonable to think that Apple, because they've done that. You know what I mean? How do they get this this image of oh we're just what uh, uh, turtlenecks? That's the deal. You just yeah, it is. hardcore <laughs> black turtlenecks, <laughs> and then you're good. Okay. All right, Andrew Heaton, resident libertarian, tell us about the Middle East. Ah, the Middle East. Um, so there is a fascinating piece of legislation that's about to come out. It's in the form of a, a colleague letter right now, and it's between two unlikely allies, mm. uh, Bernie Sanders and Mike Lee. Uh, I am generally more in the Mike Lee camp than I am in the Bernie Sanders camp. <laughs> We're glad to hear that. Uh, yeah. Um, I, as I said on my podcast earlier today, I think Bernie Sanders' economic education consisted of watching Les Mis. Like, that was it. <laughs> yeah. like, I got it. Yeah. There's rich people. They're bad. Money <laughs> for Congress. And that was it. So I don't usually agree with them on a lot of stuff. But um, we've, we've been involved in a uh, civil war in Yemen now for several years. We didn't ever authorize it. Congress never declared war. No one, no one really specifically agreed to do it that started during the, the Obama administration where we provided aerial support, we provided intelligence. We, uh, for a while, we were refueling Saudi planes to bomb the living hell out of Yemen. Now, I, I don't know a lot about internal Yemeni politics. About Horrible. Who's, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, but I... I They're not. Yeah, all of them are bad. <laughs> not surprising, because there's much. a lot of the time, there's, there's just bad yeah, actors just in all camps. Yeah. Uh, and, and at the same time, there's going to be a lot of civilians that are caught in those crosshairs, mm-hmm. right? So we're, we're supporting the Civil War because we're buddies with this awful authoritarian uh, medieval feudal monarchy theocratic regime um, so the the the, the legislation that's going to come through this bipartisan that will come out later this week in the Senate is to declare that these conflicts um, this specifically the one in Yemen um, is unconstitutional and illegal unless Congress explicitly uh, declares war 
uh, and that would apply to, I think, the UAE, Yemen, and a few other things. And this is not anything new, really. It's reaffirming what is the Constitution. The yeah. Congress declares war. The president's not supposed to do that. And so I'm really excited by this. I, like, I think that if this came through, um, I, I think that the Democrats, just despite Trump, if nothing else, would probably vote for it in the House. Um, and so it, there's a possibility that this will work its way through Congress. And, and it might actually pass. The scales. With, with, I mean, they've been trying to pass this for a while. Yeah. Uh, but it might pass this time because of how the Republicans now view Saudi Arabia as just this evil empire, which they are. However, I will tell you this. I talked to somebody who shall remain nameless, who is known, who is just with the Saudi prince, the guy, and said, um, said you know, I don't know about the Khashoggi stuff. I don't know. I do know. He's not a good guy. You know, we're in, but he is trying to do the right thing. He's, he's a mob family. And so, um, for instance, in this conversation, he said, look, I am, and I don't want to re- reveal too much here, but I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to drag us out of, you know, the dark ages here religiously. And he said, you know, we've, we've already... Do you know what it's taken? I've already shut down 1,500 mosques and taken the radical clerics, and they're in prison. And his aide said... Given women the right to drive. Right, but wait, he said, the the aide said, I'm sorry, Your Highness, it's now 3,000. So he he is making dramatic changes, and the balance that he has is... If you're not a strong man in the Middle East, it's the it's uh, and no offense here, but it is the Mohammed thing. He was a warrior on a horse. Jesus was a peacemaker. If you're not a warrior on a horse, historically you're killed in the Middle East. So he's doing it the Middle Eastern way, but he is trying to make progress. I don't want to be in bed with him. Yeah, but I hate. We're in this weird place where. He, Muhammad, he is trying to move forward. Yeah, Mohammed bin Salman, he's done some positive things. Um, like, and I, I think he, I, I like the term mobster that you used. He's, he's the best mobster, probably. Yeah. It's, still, it's still an awful regime. I mean, I, I don't want to bomb Saudi Arabia, but I don't want to help them bomb anybody yes, else. Yes, I don't either. I think, too, I mean, to your point of just the Constitution, this is supposed to be handled by Congress. Like, they've even tried to pass the, you know, the, the what was the War Powers Act, where they were yeah. like, okay, well, you can do it for a little while, and we won't, we'll look the other way. That's actually in the Constitution, I believe, that you have, I think, 45 days. I thought yeah. that was separate legislation. Anyway, because uh, I've, I've heard arguments that that isn't okay. constitutional. Um, but still, the idea that you can just blow past that with no answer, not even saying, hey, this is why we're there, or this is, you have to... You, you, they, Congress has to be able to do this. You have to be able to make the case to Congress, and Congress has to. They, we have representatives for a reason. It's accelerated too, because like uh, George W. Bush, whose interventions I, I am not a fan of in retrospect, um, still got congressional authorization to mm-hmm. go into Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. when Obama came in, um, nothing. You know, we, we toppled the Libyan regime, and that was like that was the thing. Like that was the thing where I was like, that's grounds for impeachment. Like, thank you. you know. And going back to my, my initial oh, point geez. about like principles again, like we were all over Obama on that Libya thing. We were all over him. Why he was staying there too long? He went past the forty-five days. It was a huge issue on the show every single day while that was going on. And now, like you, you don't hear word one. Now, well, now, Yemen didn't is start t- Yemen. T- he didn't start. So, Yemen. but still, I mean, uh, you know. It, it's, you, Trump can be clear of this if he stops it, and this is a good way to stop it. We should stop this going forward. We should do the same thing with trade, by the way. Yeah, the Constitution says something about that, too, yeah. if I remember right. Uh, Glenn, before we go, let's talk about cute little knickers. <laughs> 
cute little knickers. Sweet little knickers. I want to talk to you about, now, close your eyes for a second, unless you're driving. Well, try it if you're driving. Just imagine a cow. And, okay, cows, I, I have a theory that cows are funny. Um, because you just think of a cow and they're just funny looking and they're, they're cute and everything else. You said this, since, since I've met you, you've told me dozens of times that cows are the funniest animal and can, they're always funny. They're always funny. They're always funny. They're always funny. <laughs> the way they walk, stance. they're walking and their belly is swaying back and <laughs> yeah. forth. I mean, it's a funny yeah. animal. So uh, this one is the first menacing milk cow I've ever seen. This is Knickers. Now, if let me just describe. You're seeing regular-sized cows, That's and then that. beyond, that cow, that cow no. is seven feet tall. No. So, so it's like a furry Winnebago that, that, cow yes, puts that out milk. is a real cow. It is twice the size of the average cow. It, it, they can't slaughter it because they can't get it into any of the... Into any of the oh, they, they finally evolved. No evolved. Like, yeah, I'll show killed. you. That is no the nastiest looking cow. I mean, look at it. It Jeez. makes the other cows look like little See, the, babies. Is, calves. There I feel like it looks sure a little embarrassed about it. It's real. It's, in, it's on Australia. It's a breed of cows. It's a milk cow. I don't remember. It's a breed of milk cow that actually oh. is bigger, but not this big. Right. Wow. Uh, there's a documentary, Top Secret, um, from back in the 80s, uh, <laughs> yeah. starring Val Kilmer, yeah. in which this scene played out in real life, uh, wow. except the cow was wearing boots. So mm. if you go back, you'll see that. Okay. I don't know if it was the same breed. Can but. you imagine how many... I, I want to see somebody try to do some cow tipping with that cow. <laughs> I mean, seriously, imagine. I'm six. I'm six, uh, three. Mm-hmm. That cow is towering over me. Yeah. It's amazing. That That's crazy. That's terrifying is what that it is. That is crazy. Uh, all right, we've got basketball a, cow. We've got a comment for today's the Blaze Y. Remember, you can tweet us your comments and questions using the hashtag the Blaze Y. Jay said the White House press dinner is the biggest mistake that Coolidge made. It is not the president's yes. job to make nice with the press, but to protect the nation and enforce the law. Glenn, yes. So Hold yes, on. it is. It was actually Woodrow Wilson who started to get into bed with the press. It oh, was boy. Coolidge that that did start the dinner, try to bring them in, but it was. Um, it was... Wilson was always worse. Yeah, it was always worse. Um, but it was the guy who was the Bernays, um, Edward, or Edwin yeah. Bernays, mm-hmm. who was the father of modern advertising at the time. He was the father of propaganda until the Nazis started making propaganda famous. And he was like, oh, no, I don't do propaganda. I do advertising. <laughs> but he's the guy who did it. And, and they convinced Coolidge to do it because he never talked. He had no personality. So he was not giving off anything. So Coolidge, with Bernays' help, brought the first celebrities in the White House. He said nothing to them during dinner. Uh, and then he said, uh, they came to him and said, look, you got to help your image. Let's just have dinner with the press. And so they had the first White House press dinner. Mm. Uh, all right. Yesterday's poll question, how do you feel about the use of pepper spray on the caravan members? Andrew, you will be interested in this. Yeah. Uh, 95% of them said it's warranted. Three percent said I don't support it. Two percent said I'm unsure. So did you? Did you vote? Were you one of those three percent? I, I did not. But <laughs> I, yeah, I I, I wasn't registered. <laughs> uh, and then today's poll question: Do you think there's a problem with censorship of specific political opinions 
on social media, you better all say yes. I, you know what, I have to tell you, I feel like a refugee. I, I read the, the, the things that you have to say for refugee status in America. I think we could all apply for that. <laughs> you know, we're hounded because of our political views, our religious views. So I don't point. know, I think I need refugee status. That's a great point. All right, thanks, no one's taking thanks for tuning in. No one's taking, no one's taking Glenn back. No, no, no. <laughs> True. <laughs> like my wife, I'm like on the door. Hey, honey, honey, let me in. I'm a refugee. Like what you're hearing? Become a Blaze Premium subscriber and watch the show anytime, anywhere, live or on demand. Go to theblaze.com slash subscribe and start watching today.